thankful for that time of worship. Thank you, worship team. You guys did an amazing job. We needed that. How many needed that time in the Lord's presence? Amen. Matthew chapter 16 is the key scripture that we're on for our sermon series in the first service. We're learning about the church. And as you remember from when we first started this, we're on part six now, is that some people think of the church like Taco Bell, but we're teaching you how to understand the Tacaria. We're teaching you how to understand the authentic church. Can I hear an amen to that? How many know there's a difference between a taco at Taco Bell and at Juan's Tacos, the Taqueria down the street, you know, or El Gordo's or something, right? There's a, there's a big difference there. And a lot of people look at the church on a surface level and they think, I understand it. I get it. I know what you guys do. You meet on Sundays, you sing songs, you hear the word, and then you go out and try to do good things in the community. And, and that may be very well true. I mean, if you think about a taco, it has some type of a shell, right? A tortilla. It has some meat and it has some toppings. Okay, there you go. But it's not the same when you look at the depth of it, the quality of it. Can I hear an amen? I mean, there's a difference and my brothers and sisters, we don't want to just look at the church on the surface level and say, well, that's, that's just what it's about. No, it's so much more than that. Today, what I want to talk about is the governmental authority of the church. There's governmental authority right here. And that may make some of you nervous because you're thinking like back in the day, the Puritans, the Church of England, or the Roman Catholic Empire well, we should understand where that even came from before we even criticize it. So let me just help some of my woke friends here today. Before anyone ever criticizes the Roman Catholic Empire, are we also criticizing the Aztec Empire? I'm just wondering, because if we're going to criticize the Church of England, are we going to talk about the cult of the Mayans? Come on, can I hear somebody say, keep it real? So I've had it about up to here with the idea we're just going to criticize Christendom and leave every other person off the table and only talk about what we see wrong with Christendom. Come on, somebody say keep it real. I, I want to talk about the Chinese dynasties. I want to talk about the Japanese empires. I want to talk about what happened in Central and South America. I want to talk about uh, King Tut of Egypt. I want to talk about, you know, all that has happened throughout the ages. I mean, if we're just going to talk about Christendom, can we also talk about Islam as well? Can we talk about the Hindu empires? Come on. I know some of you are like me. You've had it up to here. Because everybody wants to point the finger at Christendom. And here's the reason why. Can I tell you why? Because they're butthurt. Because most nations lost to the Christian nations. Now I'm going to define Christianity in just a little bit differently than these Christian nations. But let's just go with it for a little while. Most people are upset because they lost. The conquistadors kicked butt here in Central and South America. Do you know that many indigenous peoples joined with them so that they could kick the butt of the Mayans and the Aztecs? Oh, you get quiet when I talk like that? Did you not know that many African tribes sided with the Europeans in the slave trade? Oh, it gets quiet like that, huh? Where do, you, do you think some white European was running through Africa looking for Kuta Kinte? No, he was partnering with the warring tribes of Africa and helping them war and take their slaves, which they had already been doing before the white man already showed up. Africa still has slaves today. Oh, it gets quiet. Oh, the gringo's crossing the line. 
No, because we'll talk about the Roman Empire. The Romans didn't care what skin color you were. When they caught your behind, they made you theirs. Learn about Roman slavery. There was a whole lot of people who looked just like me who were Roman slaves, who were Greek slaves. What's the point? Is that when we go throughout history, oftentimes we look for the good and the bad guys based on what we already think is good and bad. And then we start picking the ones that we want to side with. And then, we, and then we say, oh, these other ones are bad and these are good because I don't agree with them. But here's what I want you to understand, my, my brothers and sisters. As wrong as Christendom was in attributing the governmental authority to the church, as wrong as they were in doing that, they were no more wrong than attributing the power, or those in Egypt, attributing the power of their state to their Pharaoh. Can I hear an amen to that? How many know people followed Pharaohs? How many know people have been following empires for a long time? So when the church did it, everybody said, well, look at these bad Christians. Okay, I'm, I'm 100% with you, but here's, here's the correction. The correction comes from our Bible, not from woke socialists. Can I hear an amen to that if you're with me? Come on. The, the correction comes from the Bible, not woke socialists. The answer to a failed Christendom, a failed Christian empire, guess what? is other Christians who protest against them. Have you ever heard of the Protestants, the Protestants? Did you understand why America was settled by a lot of those pilgrims? Not every pilgrim owned a slave. As a matter of fact, many of them were pacifists. Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you say yes or no? Did you know most of the pilgrims, many of the Quakers that came were pacifists? Did you know that? No, you didn't. But you thought to yourself, oh, they just came and conquered all the Indians. Did you know that Harvard was the first college really established in the United States and made a scholarship for Native Americans, and it was a Bible college started by John Harvard? Yes or no, did you know that? See, some of you did, some of you didn't. You see the problems that we're facing today? Is we're letting woke people redefine governmental authority, and then they point their fingers randomly to places that they don't like, and then they neglect the rest. Brothers and sisters, we do need to understand, though, why did Christendom become a part of the state? Why did those who were once persecuted in Rome by the Roman government eventually become in charge of Rome and start to persecute others? Why and how? Well, first of all, the emperor got saved, Constantine, in the 300s. But you know what happened before Constantine and his mother got saved in the 300s? Diocletian put up one of the worst atrocities of human history on the books when he persecuted Christians by the hundreds of thousands. In other words, right before Christianity saw the emperor of Rome give his heart to Jesus, they were being burned alive, they were being put into the gladiator arenas, they were being hunted down and killed just a few years later. So as a matter of fact, when people talk about the transition of power from paganism to Christianity, and they want to insert into that moment everything we see now bad about the Roman Catholic Church, don't understand that people at the Council of Nicaea, that people a part of that early formation were some of the very ones bearing the marks of persecution in the former emperor. Are you listening to me? 
It took a gradual shift is what I'm trying to say over time to leave behind what we would call biblical Christianity and begin to see what we would now know as the church and state. But think about it. If the emperor gets saved and is now a Christian and you're used to having an emperor that's thought of as a god and he gets to make all the rules and now that one's a Christian, why not have that emperor point people to God? Is there something inherently wrong with that? No, would, it, would, would any pastor rightfully refuse an invitation from the president to come to the White House to discuss the things of God? I wouldn't. If you, just, if you invited me, if, if President Biden invited me to the White House, how many know I'm going? How much more so know I'm going if he has made a public address saying, I have repented of my sins and I've called on Jesus to be my Lord and Savior and I want pastors from all over the country to come and help me to make America a moral and Christian place. Not a, a, not a place that, that, that persecutes other religions, but I want to help make this a great Christian place. How many know I would go to that? How many know good pastors would go to that? Well, that's, that's what happened. There, there, there is no conspiracy yet here. I know others may want to try to put that there, but there's no conspiracy yet there. What there is is the hand of God moving upon that nation. And then eventually what now happens? Well, if you see in paganism that they throw out their children, they have temple, uh, the children that they don't want to die early on, even the Spartans did this. You can see that in some of the depictions of the, of the movies, that the Romans also had a form of infanticide. You can look that up. And there's a form of pederastry that, that the soldiers could have young boys with them. They got that from the Greeks. Remember that the Rome, uh, Romans conquered Greece militarily, but Greece conquered Rome culturally. In other words, almost all of Rome's gods came through the, the, the lineage of Greece and their cultural practices came through Greece. Okay, so, so in this time of Rome where Constantine is around, soldiers could have sex slaves, mostly boys, pederasty following them around. They could have sex slaves also of females. They could infanticize their children. Adoption was not a thing at that time in these pagan nations. Well, now what do you think is going to happen if, you're, if your emperor is Christian? We're going to live Christian. We're going to forbid temple prostitution. The Romans were so wicked in their, in their paganism that they had temple prostitutes. Imagine going to a church like that where you actually have sex with the priest this, or the priest. It was both homosexual and heterosexual. And so Rome says, we're done with all of this. We're done with the bloodlust of the gladiators and the arenas. How many think all of those reforms are good? I said, how many think those reforms would be good to get rid of those things? Come on, track with me, saints. I don't know what you thought I was reforming, but I'm talking about reforming a nation away from those things. How many of those reforms would be a good thing? No more sex slaves. No more pederasty. No more gladiator arenas. No, no more throw out your children that you don't want. Well, then take it one step further. No more worshiping a false god. And so he made the edict of Milan that said it was illegal now to worship any other god except the god of the Bible. See? You see how it happened? It just took one good man or one good idea to go one step too far. See, now they said what we're now deciding as a government is that it's now going to be illegal to do anything other than this. And see, that's where it began. 
Because now what do you need? You need the religious authority with the governmental authority. And then did they kill every pagan at first? No, there was just times of, of, of change. And there's also opportunities of repentance. And then, of course, the church now has a lot of hypocrites because they don't want to be persecuted as pagans. So now they become Christians. And then temples that were once for pagans are now brought over to Christianity. And some of the same art and statues is transferred over to Christianity. Are you guys listening? I said, are you listening? Yes, and then they sent out missionaries, and oftentimes you'll think that they only conquered by the way of the sword to make them Christian, but that's not true. Even as I talk to now modern-day Vikings, there's, believe it or not, people who follow the, 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 the folklore of Vikingism as people have gone back to their roots of various nations. The Europeans are also going back to some of their pagan roots and becoming Vikings again. And as I've talked with some of them, the history is actually true, that the mightiest Europeans at that time, the Vikings did not convert to Christianity by the sword, but by conversion from the missionaries. Can I hear an amen to that? So not every people group was conquered by the sword. But as the Roman Empire began to devolve and lose some of its power as the Islamic Empire is coming up, and remember, Islam starts with the sword, continues with the sword, and still has the sword today. Many of the nations of Islam that have their flags still have the sword. It is a religion started by the sword, spread by the sword, and will live by the sword. And what does the Bible say? If you live by the sword, you what? You die by the sword. And this is not to miscategorize Islamic belief. This is true Islamic belief. Jihad is a part of it. And so then what do you now have? You have the wars going on with the east. You have the problems. You have Constantinople named after Constantine beginning to fall to the Muslims. Istanbul. You then begin to have the Goths and the barbarians, the people on the western side that are fighting against these empire, uh, the, the spread of the empire of Rome. And so you start to see the divisions of these European nations. Then you see the Byzantine Empire and then you see what we would now call Europe. And then you see the Islamic Empire through the Middle East and Northern Africa, North Northern India also taking over places like Spain. Did you know that Muslims controlled Spain for quite a time and enslaved the people there as well? But you don't hear any Spanish people getting upset about that, right? We're only upset with the West. We're only upset with Rome. We're only upset with the church. We're not upset with Muslims pimping us for as long as they did. But listen to me, my brothers and sisters, as, as much as the crusades and the wars that then started out of those things fighting out of, of fighting for Jerusalem as Muslims wanted it and Christians wanted it, as much as the expansion, and we cannot say that every explorer was a conquistador. Some of them were exploring for means to an end to build the Christian empire. Not all of them were wicked and evil. You'll have to make your decision on that. But as they discovered lands that had already been discovered because of land bridges before, after the flood, native people living there, other nations began to develop, mainly a place like the United States of America. And in this place, they became uh, more attuned to the idea that we can't have one religion control all of us. And so the pilgrims, the Puritans, the Quakers, the Congregationalists, the Church of England began to establish their colonies. And what was the first thing that these Christian people decided to do? Give freedom of speech and religion to the, con to, to the country that they were founding. And what did they have to do for that? They had to fight against England. Can I hear an amen for that? How many are glad today you're not a part of the United States of England? 
So Christians, in one sense, track with me here. White people, in one sense, you know, Westerners, in one sense, fought against each other. Why did the Americans at that time, which I can probably assume most of us and our people were not here, my, uh, my history, my uh, geography, or my, um, what do you call the, uh, the, the heritage? Genealogy, thank you, goes from Italy and Poland at the world, after World War I is when my people came. So none of us, I don't think, were here even in our ancestors. But why did those first Americans fight against England? Because they believed that they had the freedom of religion the freedom of their own government. But now listen to me, my brothers and sisters. When they established this nation, did that mean that they didn't have churches as well? No. What did they make their politicians swear on? What did they make them swear on, brothers and sisters? The Bible. And did you not know, even though they separated the church and the state, did you know that even up into the 1800s, it wasn't until the first and second great awakening that all the denominations started to spread out of that, that the Christians said we cannot have an obligation of a state to a state church where you have to attend to become a leader. In other words, it was Christians who said we'll be free, but we'll also have our church in our states, and we want our mem- uh, we want our uh, governmental leaders to be members of this and w- this this church. And guess when they decided to do away with it? Was it because of socialism? Was it because of all these things? No, it was because of the first and great awakening that the revival fires were spreading across the nation and all of these denominations were coming up. So now if you were not a part of the congregational church of the Northeast, you still would want to hold political party. So they said, stop making everybody be a part of the congregational church who wants to be a part of this party. But in their minds, that still wasn't what they left. They were willing to die for the Church of England. No longer to be over them, but they wanted still their their members of government to be a part of their local churches. Can I hear an amen? Now, you can agree with it or disagree with it, but you're saying amen to the truth of history. But what did away with that was Christians like us, Christians that say we're non-denominational, Christians that say we don't want an authority over us from the outside. We want it to be within a local church, and at the same time, we want to assert our best morals into a society. So this idea that a Christian cannot have governmental authority in the United States government or in the English government or in any other government is not true according to our history or according to this Bible. In other words, who makes the best senators? Christians, not Congregationalists or Church of England or Episcopalians. Are you listening? It's Christians. Now, They had to ratify in the 14th Amendment that anyone could become in political office even if they weren't a Christian. But notice it took until the mid to late 1800s to now say you could rightfully hold an office even if you were an atheist, a Muslim, or another religion. That is quite a few years after the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and the Great Awakenings. And remember that was from Christians who wanted their freedom. And if they were going to give it to other denominations, they had to give it to other beliefs. Can I hear an amen? So who fixed Christian problems? Christians. Christians. What was the greatest answer to the Christendom empire? Other Christians. Specifically, when you're looking at our history, the United States of America whooped England and said, you stop here. And then we told the Papists, as they were known back then, the Roman Catholics, you will not establish your popery here. 
Many early Christians in America's history were so anti-Catholic they didn't even celebrate Christ Mass. Study the early Puritans and their hatred of Christmas because they wanted nothing to do with Rome. Are you listening? I said, are you listening? Y'all getting quiet in a Presbyterian church. You came to a Pentecostal church where you learned something more than Noah's Ark. How many are still glad about Noah's Ark? But you're learning today. Learn about the Puritans' hatred of Christmas, everything of Rome. They wanted nothing to do with it because they wanted to trust on God's word and they wanted their politicians to trust in God's word. But as you know about the slavery or about the Native Americans, there was always people doing the wrong thing, just like in the time of Jesus. Judas was doing the wrong thing. Just like in the time of Israel, the kings were doing the wrong thing. It didn't mean that there wasn't God-blessed people doing the right thing. Just as if someone was to look over this time period and go, wow, Chicago, you guys were the worst. You notice what I just did there? I incorporated all of you guys into what's happening in Chicago. But are there righteous in Chicago? Are there people who don't murder their neighbor in Chicago? Are there people who love their neighbor and do good things in Chicago? Can I hear an amen? But, but what would people say if they were writing about Chicago? They would say all of them were wicked and gone astray. Chicago was a wicked place in the 21st century. So it's the same thing. Not every person owned a slave. And remember, north and south didn't start overnight. Those were boundary lines dependent upon the, fa- the flavor of Christianity that you chose. And the slave owners chose a form of Christianity that was considered and is considered to this day to be a cult form of, of Christianity. And now let me just go as far as to say this. Did you know that the slaves actually had their own Bible, the slave Bible? that removed the parts of freedom from the Bible that taught the equality of men. In other words, for them to push their cult in the South, they had to change the Bible. It doesn't excuse what any person has done in the name of Jesus, but what I'm saying is don't call them real Christians. No more than you would call the conquistadors real Christians if they had no love for neighbor, no love for those that they were learning to interact with. Why did I give you that history lesson? Because so often in our culture, governmental authority and the church is looked down upon. You are meant to see yourself only as someone who comes to church, learns Sunday school songs, or something about what's going to help you to feel better this week, and then you go back out into the real world, and then everybody that's anti-Christian says, we'll take it from here. You guys stay in Sunday school, You stay singing your church songs, and we'll take it from here. We'll run your schools. We'll run your government. We'll run your police departments. We'll tell you what textbooks by men will be taught in those schools. We got it from here. You guys just just pat on the head, and you guys just play nice, and then you just do your own thing. Because remember, separation of church and state. Right? Remember, well, let me ask you a question for you. Is there a separation between you and stupid? Because the church was always in the state in this country. Christians were always present there. And where the church, where the Christian is, there is the church. But what we, and I'm not saying everything we did was right, and go check me on your, uh, you know, your local library or your Google, check your Wikipedia to see how well I did in a, what, a five-minute summary of everything. But what I want to let you know is that Christians have built things. Christians have done things. Hospitals, universities, science itself came from Christendom. 
So be careful before you throw out the whole baby with the bathwater. We still go see pyramids that were built by slaves and nobody says anything. What about Christendom that built hospitals? The entire sense of adoption, the entire endeavor of science came from Christians. Christians exploring, inventing the first ones to go into space. Christians. Red and yellow, black and white are precious in his sight. This is not a color of a person. All Christians have been a part of Christendom at one point or another, whether it was officially a governmental sense or not. The Christians of Ethiopia, withstanding the pressures of Islam, the Christians of Egypt, the Christians of Europe, the Christians of India that have been there among the Hindus ever since the time of Thomas, doubting Thomas, going to India, preaching the gospel, being speared and establishing a church. Talk to the people of India who are Christians there. They revere what the early missionaries brought them. And yet many of us, let's go back to this example, Many of us think to ourselves, when we hear Christianity, we think Taco Bell. And when we hear the church, we think of that place we show up on Sunday. No, it was a place like this that the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. learned how to make a speech and to give compelling evidence to what he believed. Where did a man like Booker T. Washington, Terry Marriott Hubman, uh, Tubman, where did Mama Moses learn her way of de delegating responsibility, learning logical argument and discussion, and the ability to speak the truth? Harriet Tubman. Come on, somebody. Somebody say church. Well, I don't care what movement you point to. If it's come from the church and God's word, it has changed our world for good. Has there always been hypocrites along the way? Absolutely. Has there always been people that tried to achieve power the wrong way? Yes. No different from today's televangelist to the corrupt priest touching somebody in a dark room to the person over in, in, you know, in another country trying to take their land. Yes, it, it's always been there. There's always been evil. There's always been a Cain that's willing to kill an Abel. But is there any Abels in the house? Are there any Abels throughout history? Absolutely. The church of Jesus Christ has governmental authority. In other words, you learn about government here, and then you can take it out there. That's why we would swear upon a Bible, and they still do. If you want to, you can refuse it. But that's why people still swear upon this, because if you understand this, you'll know how to be a senator. If you understand this, you'll understand how to be an alderman. If you understand this, you will know how to be a president. Can I hear an amen? The Bible says that Jesus was asking them, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That changes everything. Do you know that our calendar and our time has changed based on B.C. before Christ and A.D. after his death and resurrection? Do you know that we tell time based on that revelation? And the Bible says that Jesus blessed Simon. He said, you, Simon, son of Jonah, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I believe that's what Peter confessed, Jesus being, that's the rock. I will build my church, and the gates of hell or Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now can you understand 
why these early Christians thought they were over the government and needed to have control of the government. Because if the Bible says he gave to his disciples the keys of the kingdom, then that means they have the keys of the governor. That means they have the keys of the presidency. Are you all listening? There's a reason why the kings would bow before the popes and kiss their ring before they would start leading as a king. And many of those popes were wicked popes, some of them homosexual, some of them committing adultery. When you go through the Middle Ages, it's like a Game of Thrones. I'm telling you the truth here. But there's a reason why that king would bow his knee before a pope. It's because of scriptures like this. Now, I'm not here to ask you to kiss a ring. God have mercy if I ever do. Leave the church and slap me first. But we've lost respect for the clergy, haven't we? We've gone from having kings bow their authority. Even, by the way, the king of England now had to bow before the bishop of of his denomination, the Church of England. Because they still have an official church over their state. They are bound by Christendom. England is still in Christendom by governmental status. I was looking up as well. There's still nations under the the writings of their constitutions. that, That In Europe, they are still Christian nations based on their constitutions. That's another discussion. But listen to me. Now in culture, think about it. You have the pastors begging on their knees, people. To give them a little something. Come on, give me your money. Give me your money. Uh, come to my conference. Come to my conference. I'm a pastor, but I need your money. I need to be on your show. Come on, Oprah. I need to be on your show. Now you see pastors like this. I'll beg and I'll give you, I'll give you this right here. I'll, I'll give you my holy rag. You give me $500. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it's supposed to be. The church, though we are not in the government, we are ov- over the government. Y'all better get that today. Y'all like Che Guevara, I like Jesus. Both of them are revolutionaries. One has the kings of the kingdom and the other one's in hell if he didn't repent. Hello. Well, I like the Caesars. No, I like the disciples. Caesar said they were ruling on behalf of Zeus. Caesar said that they were the gods among men. And if they didn't repent, they're in hell now. I serve Jesus, and I'm under the authority of his apostles and the thrones that they rule from. Can I hear an amen? Because this is over government. Come on, get this, y'all. This is over our police department. Now, you might say to yourself, well, who uses this then? Well, it's going to be a human, isn't it? Because humans have authority. Sometimes they say, well, it's just a book written by men. Yeah, that's what we read is books written by men. Where do you read books written by elephants? Yeah, this is a book written by a man. That's right. But where did these men get their information from? They weren't just inspired by the stars. They weren't just inspired by uh, beauty or the things of this earth. They were inspired by God himself who says he's the great I am, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's where these writings come from. And yet, what does the Bible say? How do we lead over government? How do we lead over the police department? How do we lead over all of these civil institutions? As servants. Come on, think about it. As servants. Don't they still have that in their name, in the mayor's name or in the police department? Aren't they civil servants? Isn't that still used in their names? But who's supposed to be the real servants of society? The Christians. So as proud as we get 
And not in the sense of a pride looking to ourselves, but as in I'm proud to be this or proud to be that. As proud as we are boasting, and Paul said, I boast in nothing but Christ. Listen, as much as we boast and we're proud of what Christians have done, we don't lord it over the people. We offer to them our service. And so when you go through the scriptures, you begin to see that the prophets come to the king, not on their knees, not begging, but offering their service to the king. King, can I give you advice? Can I lead you on a moral path that's different than the one that you have? Who was, according to Jesus, the last and greatest old covenant prophet? What was his name? A couple of you Bible students know it. Come on, shout out John the Baptist. Come on, shout it out, John the Baptist. And what did the king, or at that time, the puppet king of Rome who was over Israel, but he was still supposed to be a Jewish person over the people because remember when Rome would conquer these nations, they would allow them to have their vassal kings in their kingdom, but the Caesar was lord of all, as they said. And remember the battle cry of the Christian is, Jesus is Lord. You see, to be a part of the Roman Empire, you had to say Caesar is Lord and offer him as an and give him an offering as the God man among men. And it was very this very saying that became the anthem of the Christians was their seal unto death. They wouldn't say they wouldn't say Caesar is Lord. Who would they say is Lord? Jesus is Lord. John the Baptist, the last Old Testament prophet, speaking to a king about his adulterous ways, using the authority of the Scripture. What did King Herod do to that man? Beheaded him. You've heard people say, well, don't lose your head over it. There are some things worth losing your head over. Seeing the gospel be preached to a nation is worth losing your head and my head over it's worth the heads of our children. We will not yield our authority to another. Did you all hear what I said? We will not yield our authority to another. During the time of Nini's Delhi and Brother Juan, when BLM was pretending to be his friend, and they were saying, listen, Juan, we've come and we've bought things at your restaurant. We love you. We, we admire you. All we're asking you to do is put up the black square of BLM and bow your knee to our movement led by lesbians and homosexuals using the Black Lives Matter as a Trojan horse. And he said this. All lives matter, especially black lives right now, especially George Floyd. I pray for justice. He said all of these things in a wonderful paragraph, but I will not yield my authority to BLM. They are a movement against my values. And what did they do? Did they nicely move on? Did they say, well, we understand. I mean, we can agree to disagree as long as we know that you side with us, that this was unjust, that this man was wrongfully murdered. We understand we'll have different affiliations as long as you affirm the humanity of an African-American. We, we will then divide over our own uh, places where we give money, but we can, uh, we can affirm each other's unity on humanity. No, they didn't say that. They said, we want to burn this place down. Why? Because the world never plays fair. They never play fair. 
The Romans didn't play fair with the Christians because what was the Christian saying? The Christian wasn't saying, we want to force you to be Christians in the first century, second century, third century. No, all the Christians were saying is, let us have our Lord. You let the Greeks keep worshiping their gods. You let the Persians keep worshiping their gods. Let us worship ours. Let us worship ours. And then you know what they said? They said, we'll make a compromise with you. As long as you worship one of our gods, you can have yours as a lesser god. Come on, after all, all the other nations have done that. Greece has done that. All the other, the Persians have done that. At least worship one of ours as the ultimate, and then you can have yours as lesser gods. And it was by that accusation, as you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, coming through the history of Eusebius in the 4th century, that the Romans began to crucify and kill the Christians, get this, as atheists. Yeah, we were considered atheists. Look at the charges in history. Why were we considered atheists? Because we wouldn't worship their God. They said these people are atheists because they won't bow to our God. Christians being called atheists. Isn't that crazy? But that's what they said about us. And the Nero's fire being blamed on Christians. No different than how it is today. Blame COVID on Christians. COVID was going to spread all by itself no matter what. And whoever was uh, dealing with, you know, sensibilities or has, you know, uh, preconditions needed to be careful. But it was freedom-loving Christians like us wanting to have church that they began to say, we are the cause of the spread of COVID. And if they get COVID and come to our hospitals, let them and their children die, said a smiling person with a rainbow flag on their Facebook are you listening to me? They thought killing us was the right thing to do. Is that anything new to Christian history? No, they have always thought this. The pagans have always said, the more we kill these Christians, the better we are. Has anybody ever heard of Dofar? Has anybody ever heard of what's happened in the northern African regions where Islam controls? They cut off the women's breasts, the Muslims. Cut off the breasts of the women so they can't breastfeed their children. Cut off the arms of the men so they can't farm their land. And they let them be like wretched dogs left to die to be a warning to the other people. The world never plays fair. Muslims come to our nation, come to enjoy our freedom want every privilege possible, and yet you, my friend, have to say the Shahada and prove your Islamic faith to even enter into Mecca. Non-Muslims aren't even allowed in the city of Mecca. Think about that. Oh, but we want to be in every one of your cities. We want to have all of your universities give an Islamic day where we'll teach our prayers and sing our verses over your loudspeakers. We want to be able to do that. We want Native Americans to be able to do their rain dances. We want the Aztecs to be able to affirm their culture. But keep this Bible out of our schools. Why is that? Because they can't play fair. See, the Christian says every time, we'll give you the same freedom we got. We'll give you the same opportunity we have, and we will win every time. Let us preach the gospel in Iran, and we'll win the whole nation to the Lord, as right now Iran is being won to Jesus. 
Let us preach the gospel in China and stop arresting our pastors, and we'll see hundreds of millions come to the Lord as there's already a hundred million. But they keep arresting our pastors. Our pastors in China have to go about hiding and move from place to place, and many of them have been arrested multiple times. And yet the gospel keeps going. Why? Because communists can't play fair. Muslims can't play fair. In Hinduism, right now in the places that they control the areas like Orissa, they persecute the Christians. They burn their Bibles. They beat them as I played the videos here because they're not just sweet little I won't hurt a fly Hindu. They think they're taking the culture away because we're winning India by the millions. One of the largest churches in the world right now was in India. While India rates number three or four, I think in the top five of persecuted nations. They can't play fair. Why? Let me, let's just be honest for a second. Why? Why can't the world play fair with Christians? Because they know they lose every time. No one, think about it. No one made you come here, and yet you're all here. No one makes you open up a home Bible study, yet you're, you're willing to do it. I hear about one, by God's grace, starting in Indiana. Come on, Indiana for Jesus, somebody. Let's go. We got families all around there. We're starting Elgin for Jesus. Let me tell you what an Elgin resident, the woman over the farmer's market said about us, and she should thank God I'm not going to say her name. But we are going now on Friday nights, first and third, to Elgin to preach the gospel. Do we go out there with perversion? Do we go out there with violence? No. Do we even go out there to sell anything? No, we go out there, Brother Izzy, to preach. Gently, but yet boldly. And many people affirm us, it is a crawfish honey hole. Or those of you like the bass fish, it's a bass fish honey hole. They love us out there. Yet, the block is cut off for the farmer's market. We politely stand outside of it. Somebody say outside of it. In other words, they got their stuff, we got our stuff. First Amendment stuff is what I call it. How many like First Amendment stuff? How many like free speech kind of stuff? And so we're standing outside of that area, don't we, Brother Victor? We stand outside of that area. Do we run up into their area? Do we touch anybody in their area? No, but they got to come and mess with us, a bunch of Karens and Kens. And so God bless one of these brothers. He has a tent out there selling some of his goodies, and we bless every Christian out there doing Christian business. He said, we got an email about you. You guys want to hear the email? You guys want the tea? Because they can't play fair. They can never play fair. They can't just leave us alone. Did I try to shut down a farmer's market? No, you see, that's why, let me just pause right here. That's why when people say, oh, would you want the Muslim to do? Absolutely, I want the Muslim to have freedom of speech. I want people to hear how stupid his ideas are. I want the fool to be able to talk about flat earth so that we can all see what a foolishness is. Do you understand? You don't take away free speech to show somebody they're wrong. You let them talk a while, and then you confront what they say with free speech. I said, I would love for a Muslim to do what I'm doing because I've been waiting for them to come anyway. Where are they? Because I want to preach to them while they're preaching. But notice this. Hello, everyone. 
Recently, we have been experiencing a situation involving a religious group that is not a market participant setting up inside or near the market zone. Liar, liar, pants on fire. With a microphone and loudspeaker creating some challenging and uncomfortable situations for vendors and customers. Snowflakes. Creating challenging situations. Maybe North Korea is where you want to live where there are no free speech challenging situations. But for grown-ups and big boys and girls, somebody speaking their mind is not a challenging situation. No threats, no violence. We give out water and free chips. <laughs> it's creating a challenging situation. We understand this is a sensitive situation, and we want you to be aware we are working with the city of Elgin and the police department to properly address the situation. Well, guess what? First time we went out there, police were on our side. Second time, police was on their side. I got the city code, went and read it like I read a Bible. Came back to those folks, pushed it all the way to City Hall. Last Friday, we were out there with the sergeant, and he said, Y'all right, you can preach. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Another little side note, when we were dealing with the COVID stuff, I always was going live with a bunch of books behind me. And I said, you might have grown up with a pastor that was an Oompa Loompa or a Father Tom who didn't know anything, but I got a doctorate by reading books, not the back of cereal boxes. I can read a journal. I can read one of those. I understand statistical analysis. In the ILI, the influenza-like illness is a little bit higher than the seasonal flu among those with preconditions. Prove me wrong. Show me in the medical journal. Not your grandma who passed, who we also are sad about. But show me in the medical journal that this is the bubonic plague. They got mad at me, tried to call me stupid because they can't play fair. Lied about me in the news. Are you all listening? And I challenged every one of them. Show me in the medical journals where I am wrong. And now after 10 vaccines, three boosters, who was right? Your pastor. Because it was medicine. It was science. It was right all along. Thank God it wasn't worse. And if we ever experience something worse, we'll act accordingly. Just like how we had the common sense before all of this went down to tell people in our church, if you're sick and contagious, please stay home for a little bit until the symptoms pass for at least 24 hours. How many believe that's a good advice? Oh, yeah. I said to Brother Rudy, because he said, oh, the police came back, and they said this, this, and that. I said, are you still out there right now? He said, no, I'm home. I said, how soon can you meet me back out there? We went downtown. We went to the police department, and I said, I want you to look over this for me. He pushed it all the way. That sergeant did, and I praise God for his honesty. He pushed it all the way to City Hall for us to get our justice. Now, once again, if, if, if Elgin had a law for everybody that they couldn't do it, then I would play fair. Somebody say play fair. How many know Michael Jordan could beat you still playing fair? You don't have to lie, cheat, and steal if you're good. Amen? So they said, hey, we want to make you aware of this because it has come to our attention that this group is likely to attend again this Friday. <laughs> yeah, you be peeping on us. I get it. I get it. You're stalking us now. 
I've got some haters all up in my biz watching where I go. Come on. I always feel like somebody's watching me. It's an Elgin... uh, Uh, It's an Elgin farmer's market. I always feel like somebody's watching me. It's Karen from Elgin farmer's market. This is what they want to tell their people. Not praise God, praise God. They, they, They didn't come in that email and say praise God. We saw them speaking to the homeless. We saw them feeding the needy. We saw them reaching the young adults who are often the troublemakers. We see them offering help to the families and the single moms. They didn't write a testimony about what we were doing. They had to lie on us. Act as if we were invading their private space. Act as if we were a threat that had to be addressed to the people. Where the Bible says we are as sheep to the slaughter. I always say to the person that's this close to my face with hot Cheeto breath saying that you better get out of here or I'm going to call the police. I say, please call the police because I don't feel safe right now. I will feel so much safer, Karen and Ken, when you're not in my face anymore and the police are here. Please call them. They act as if they're the victim. You see how the world doesn't play fair. But here's the reason why. Somebody say the reason. Is because we have authority. There could have been Harry Krishnas out there, and I've met them from time to time with their cool little ponytails and bald heads, dancing around, chanting Hadi, Hadi, Hadi Krishna. There would be no problem. There could be some Muslims out there in their long robes, women in their hijabs, handing out free Qurans and falafels, and there would be no problem. Why? Because I see it all the time. No problem with them. No problem will be more like them. You see, the difference is they don't have authority. They don't speak the word of God that convicts men's hearts. There's something about the thus says the Lord that convicts your heart. I remember one time when I was on drugs, I still had to go to a service with my mom and dad. And let me just tell you, going to church on drugs is not fun. I felt so convicted. I felt so paranoid about hell. I realized something wasn't right with me. You want to talk about a bad trip. Because I knew something what that preacher was singing about or or the worship leader was singing about what that preacher was preaching about was hitting me in my soul. It wasn't just merely a man's opinion. It wasn't just, hey, let's just give Buddha a try. Or you know what? Try the crooked chicken at my my meditation clinic. No, it was repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was be born again lest you not see the kingdom of God. It was God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It was always that perishing part of the message that got me right here. Are you listening, brothers and sisters? I don't want you to give up your authority in this generation. The church is not just merely one person. It is a group of us that are stronger together than we are divided. That's why I want to ask you today, no matter what we disagree about, to agree about the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth to the nations. Can you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28 as Daryl comes, please? How many enjoyed the introduction? Amen. I'm going to preach the message next week by God's grace. Come on out. I got too carried away with history, but I hope somebody was encouraged by it. 
And I just want to say this as you're turning there, Matthew 28, 18 and onward. I am not a defender of the Christendom that has gone wrong. I could care less. I don't care. I'm just being honest with you. It's not, it's not my battle to fight. But what I was trying to give you in that history is why we were the way we were and where it came from. And so if anybody wants to come to me pointing fingers at a church that I protest, by the way, I protest England. If I would have been here during the Revolutionary War, how many would have helped in that time? I would have protested during that time. And how many, if you were around during the time of the Reformation, you would have protested the Roman Catholic Church and got some freedom, amen? But I want you to hear me, brothers and sisters. God has always had a church, even through the bad times of church history. One theologian historian said it like this, God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. Do you all get that? With a crooked stick, I'm trying to do something crooked up here. Here, I'm crooked. With a crooked stick, Jesus can draw a straight line. Were there crooked kings of Israel? Absolutely. Did God still bring a straight line of the Messiah through Israel? Yeah. Were all the disciples full, full on straight doing the right thing all the time? No, as a matter of fact, from that passage we're in, in in Matthew 16, just a few verses later, Peter gets called Satan because he doesn't know what he's doing. So in one place, it's like, good job, Peter. In another place, it's like, Satan, dude, what are you doing? Get behind me, man. I'm not saying that. Everybody get this. Two ditches. I always like to help you understand nuance. Can someone say nuance? One ditch says... Everything they did was wrong. Every explorer was a conquistador. Every Christian nation was enslaving and conquering, and somehow Aztec and these different ones are better. Zulu nation, Egypt nation, they're better. Okay, so there's this ditch. And so it's like, oh, if you think there's something wrong with Christian history, then you've got to go into this ditch, forget about all the other nations, and just condemn what Christendom did. On the other side is accept it all and say it's good, like Roman Catholics have tried to do. I mean, imagine the PR that they have to do. They continually try to cover this up as we keep exposing it. You say your popes are in the line of Peter, and they always have the truth. They can speak the word of God like the, like the apostles did, and yet we see them being homosexual. We see them being adulterous. We see them being liars. We see them excommunicating each other as they fought for who would be the true pope and the one with the most power won. Can I hear an amen to some true facts here? But they try to keep covering over it. They just try, they'll tell you a story and they'll sell you a bridge in Brooklyn as well, okay? So we're not doing that. And then we're not throwing the whole baby out with the bathwater. Where, where do you stand? You stand right in the middle. And you say, yep, there were some bad things there. And there were some good things. Run them by me. You can talk to your friends and family. Run, run by me a scenario, and I'll let you know what bucket we put it in. Amen? Uh, the Roman Catholic Church enslaved people. Well, that's in the bucket of bad. The Roman Catholic Church, and you talk to the Roman Catholic. They gave us a hospital. We'll put that here. They were the first ones to develop the university model. Yeah, we'll put that there. How many understand what we're doing here? But how do we decide it on? Based on the Word of God. Why is this important? Because you're a part of a church that at times has bad and at times has good. Some of us are crooked at times. Not everybody here is straight, if you know what I mean, living holy. But God's still using you, right? And we're trying to help you as you're trying to help me. And so you don't throw away your authority because something wrong happens.
Whenever somebody says something about me and they go, well, Joe, you have this problem, that problem. Okay, pray for me. What do you want me to do, quit and just hand over my, my preaching badge? Why would I do that? The devil only gets a victory out of that. If you don't like certain parts about me, pray, pray for me and pray for my elders to help see it so I can change it. But I'm not giving up my authority. Can I hear an amen? I mean, unless I violate according to what the Bible says, I can't be an elder if I have more than one wife. I can't be an elder if I'm greedy for money. I mean, the Bible's clear of where that authority is based. That's why there's good elders. So you think you see something of me that's not on that list. You're making up your own Bible. Show me in the Bible where I'm falling short. Otherwise, I'm going to hold on to my authority. Same thing on your job. Hold on to your authority. Well, I don't like these Christians because, you know, they're all this and that. Tell them, I'm not that. Say, I might agree with you. I might put a lot of what you're telling me in that bad box. Well, I went to a church and they did this and that. Okay, I, I agree with you. We'll put that in the bad box. I'm not trying to cover it all up. We'll put it in the bad box. But here's what I want to ask you. You can say this to them on their job. Whose authority are you under? Where do you get your ability to know right from wrong? How do you know what you're building here is going to last longer than what you just put on this earth? Because the Bible says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Look at what Jesus said. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's at the resurrection. Now hear governmental language. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore what? Go and make disciples of what? All nations. Does it say go and make kings of all nations? Because there is an alt-right version of this and a somewhat conservative version. There's two groups of Christians fighting over a Christian nation right now. The alt-right wants it to be white, Western, and Christian. Obviously, that's stupid and ignorant. They should have free speech, and we should be able to be free to laugh at that, okay? Then there's another group of Christians who are not that alt-right, but they are lumped in with them. These are people like Jeff Durbin from Apologia, Douglas Wilson and others who we actually believe are Christians. Those all rights are just racist in my opinion and according to the word of God, right? Um, but then there are Christians who actually say this. The Puritans were right and those out of the Great Awakening were wrong. We actually need to have church-state unity again. And as much as I love my brothers and sisters and we stand to fight the culture war with them, I do not agree with them. Why? Because the same problems that happen with those people will happen with us. Whose church is in charge? And the moment your church is not in charge, you're in trouble, baby. So I do not agree with that. But I understand they're not the alt-right racist version of that. Their, their point of Christendom coming back into power is not a color thing. has nothing to do with color. They want it just as much in Ethiopia and in uh, you know, Iraq as they want it in America. They want Christian people to establish government that is tied to the church. You can read about them. Seriously, you can read about them. That may be scary for some. And it, and it should in some ways because it could, it could become problematic. But notice this. This is what I say to them. It does not say go and make kings of all the nations. Because for this group to be right, not the alt ones, but the Christians that are truly saying we can redo what the Puritans did and do it even better. And then I'm just like, remember they also burned a pastor at the witch trials. 
Did you know that? I know I've talked about that here. They also, you know, imagine this. I, I'm a pastor, right? So imagine you're a pastor like me during that time, and they're about ready to burn some people, and the evidence is sketchy at best, and you're like, first of all, this is new covenant. We don't implement those laws. Second of all, I don't even think these people are witches. And then imagine now the people shouting back, burn him too. That's what happened. Guess what that pastor was saying as they were burning him? The Lord's Prayer. Yeah, so we're not putting the Puritans back in charge, okay? Thank you very much. I'm not getting burned at your stake, okay? But, but watch this right here. They'll say something like, well, we have authority to do these things. We're the ones to be trusted. We're the ones that have the moral high ground. Okay, if that was true, why didn't Jesus say, go make kings and disciples of nations? Because Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this earth. The kingdom is still coming. Thy kingdom what? Come and thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. The kingdom of God doesn't come down until revelation. We do not have kings on thrones yet. And who will be the first one to appoint kings in the Christian nation? Jesus. Just turn quickly. Put up the new tab just so everybody can see it, please. Quickly. Go to Revelation chapter 1. Put it uh, in the King James for me. Revelation Chapter 1, verse 6. This is all part of the message. I just don't have time to get into it, but I want you to see this. Revelation 1, 6. Notice who will appoint the kings of Christendom. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. Thank you. If you're there, say, I'm there. Look at what it says. And we'll start in verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us, what? Kings and what? Priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Is Christendom coming with governmental authority? Absolutely. And it's going to come through the appointment of Jesus making kings. But where is our governmental authority now? Some of you would say it's spiritual, and that's true. But guess what? Spiritual also affects the natural. The kingdom of God, watch this, now, governmentally, powerfully, with authority, is where the people of God willfully submit to Jesus. Did you hear what I said? Go to the Matthew 28 quickly in closing. There's real government here. There's real authority here. There's real power here. It's not just spiritual. No, no, it's, it's, it's here. In other words, I'm physically here in front of you. You guys get that? If something was out of order in this church, I remove you from this church. If something is out of order in our community, we remove that person from our community. Do you all get that? The Bible teaches us that. Now i got to preach this, the whole part of the message now because I think some of you think I'm weird. No, it actually talks about this. Also, I have the right to refuse to marry you. I have the right to refuse to dedicate your children. I have the, re the right to refuse to baptize you. We in our church have the right to rebuke you if we see you in sin and command you to stop, and that will affect physical parts of your life. If you are having sex outside of marriage, we rebuke you now and command you to stop. But we do not have in this governmental authority the right to force you, everybody get this, force you like our government of the United States can force you to stop doing things. The police will force you to stop doing what's against their law, will they not? 
I cannot force you to stop doing what's against God's law. That does not mean I do not have the same authority. But notice this. I don't see pastors here. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. That sounds like he's talking to everybody. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to what? Teaching them to what? Obey how many things? Everything I have commanded you. Well, that sounds like governmental language. If I was right now in a poli-sci class, political science class, and I said, what do these words remind you of? Authority, command, and obey. They would say, that reminds me of government. <laughs> command, authority, obey. That's government. Go to Isaiah 9, 6 quickly in closing. But we cannot have authority to command people to obey who do not willingly submit to Jesus. Now this is the difference, as I was saying from the beginning, from McDonald's or a rather a Taco Bell and the Taqueria. At the Taco Bell, there is no authority of the Mexican cuisine. How many would agree with that? How many know they have no sense of commanding and obeying what has been passed down from the grandmas and the abuelas from year to year to year, right? How many know they have no idea what's going on there, right? They have no authority, they have no command, they have no obeying. But how many know if you went to a real Mexican restaurant where they had authentic food, there would be somebody there with authority. There would be somebody commanding the chefs what to do, and they would be expected to obey because a taco doesn't have sour cream. As much as I love sour cream, y'all listening to me? Just like we Italians will tell you pineapple doesn't belong on pizza, even though we love it. And they tell you never to cut your pasta, but that's the first thing I do. But I don't have the authority of the Italian cuisine, do I? I'm not from Italy. I wasn't raised that way. Notice what it says about Jesus. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. So where is the government authority starting? Come on, point to yourself. We're accepting our king, aren't we? I said we, we accept him, don't we? And we accept Verse 7, that the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom. Now notice this, establishing it and upholding it. He's establishing it now in the church, starting in the church. Where's the, the kingdom of God being established? Where is it at? In the church, with you and me. Do you not know the Bible calls us ambassadors? You are an ambassador of God. So when you meet somebody with another worldview or a differing authority and they don't like your book written by men, ask them where their authority comes from. Well, my authority comes from science. Good, because my God created it. Let's get back to him. Hello. A scientist did not invent science. How many know that? They only discovered the laws that our maker put in place. Let's go back to him. Oh, well, I follow this philosophy. Okay, let's go to the one who made philosophers. Let's go back to the one who made philosophers, because last time I checked, philosophers didn't make themselves. If we're still in the real world, philosophers don't make themselves. Let's go to the one who makes philosophers. Let's go check back with him. Now you might say, what if somebody says back to me, I have another book and another prophet that says they heard from God, the Book of Moron, I mean the Book of Mormon. I love Mormons, but I have to tell them the truth. It's foolishness. Or the Quran. Now what do we do? Book. Versus book. 
Which one is the Word of God? Take your time. Study with them. Bring a pastor along. And we'll show them the authority is in this book because it doesn't contradict itself. It's based on a numerable amount of prophecies, and it has the power of testimony throughout the ages. I know everybody believes they're right. I know people are willing to die for what they believe. Trust me, I know other religions have been persecuted. Muslims are also being persecuted in China right now as they're persecuting us all over the world. I know that doesn't make somebody right. They believed in what they believed in enough to go into buildings with planes. Okay, but listen, I'm not saying that is what I base my um, testimony on. It's just whether or not you're willing to die for it. No, I'm basing on what did you see that you're willing to die for. None of those Muslims who went into a plane and then flew it into a building as we just celebrated or uh, remembered the deaths of September 11th and celebrated us kicking butt in the Middle East because of that. Not every war we did over there was right, but I'm glad that we put a stop to Al-Qaeda at least and found Osama bin Laden. Amen. I don't just remember the tragedies. I remember the victory. Can I hear an amen to that? Like D-Day, thank God that uh, we were able to get and finish that with the Japanese. But listen, everybody track this with me. Hear me, please. They did not die believing they had saw Allah. Our disciples believed dying they saw the resurrected Lord and Savior. They believed when they died they would go to paradise. Our disciples believed they had already seen it when the heavens were open to receive Jesus. Do you see the difference? That's the testimony I'm on when I resort to the Word of God. Amen? Let's all stand up. How many are ready to go preach with authority? How many believe you have authority in your house, parents? Come on, young people. How many believe you have authority at your high school? When see you at the poll? When are we doing that? Has that passed yet, or when are we doing see you at the poll? Okay, we're going to pray for see you at the poll. All the high school students, come on up here. Get Joe B., our youth pastor, to come quickly. Even if you're homeschooled, come on up here. We're going to pray for you. See you at the poll was started to remind people that we're still Christian even if they don't let us be at the, at the school. I want you guys to find the date and the time of see you at the poll. Joe B., when is it? Okay. Come on, high school students, come up quickly. Junior high students as well. I want you to find a poll and pray around it. Thank you. Bethany, remind me to take you to Elgin. We're going to go to the poll there. Father, I thank you today for this service. I thank you for your word that you've given us. Help us to be people of authority. Lord, I pray for those who came today, God. If they don't know you, they'll know you as Lord and Savior. Repent of their sins. As I'm praying for you now, if you need prayer, before you go, come up to the front. There'll be people up here to pray with you. The rest of us who know Jesus, would you raise your hands up with me with these young people and pray for authority on your job, in your community, as a servant, not as a, uh, a dictator, not as someone who forces their way, but as someone who serves and loves and is willing to teach. And Lord, right now, I pray for your authority to be upon every one of these students. That every high school, every junior high that they go to this week to find a pole to pray around. That Lord, they will stand up for the authority of the word of God. They won't be ashamed of it in this generation, oh God. They won't back down, oh Lord, despite what entertainers and politicians are saying, oh Jesus. That there'll be a power and authority upon their words. And that this generation will be a generation that seeks you. And Lord, we pray this for our streets and our communities, for our homes and our families. That the authority of your word to obey commands will be brought back to our culture. Not because we force it. Not because we force it, but because we live it by example. 
We live by the commands of Jesus. We obey the commands of Jesus. And there's authority over this world and all of its temptation. There's a blessing that comes upon us to fight back the hordes of hell and darkness. Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And everybody said, Amen.